Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Red Pill Your Healthcast. My name is Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz, and I'm here with Lauren Johnson, nurse practitioner. And this week, we're going to be talking about something that our society has created, and that is known as ADD and ADHD. Now, people are going to say, you know, just like autism, we just got better at diagnosing it. And what I'll say to that is nothing could be further from the truth. And we're going to break down some things about ADD and ADHD that hopefully make sense for you and land for you in the way that you need it or for uh, what your children need. So Lauren, where do you want to start off with this? Should we go statistics? Should we go um, mechanisms? What do you want to do? Oh, there's so much to say. And, you know, it is something we have created in our society, but that's not necessarily to say like anyone has cause this or a parent has it is to say this modern society of living this this uh, chronic toxin exposure um chronic stress a generational trauma there's a lot there that we can unpack um that will that are factors here so it's not just one thing you know where it's not like we can say well what caused my child's adhd i didn't cause it well no you did i'm not saying that um, but we are going to say there are multiple factors that put together um, can lead to symptoms of ADHD. Because remember, ADHD or ADD is a symptom of the body saying there's something wrong here. Yes. Um, and so it's not something that should be ignored, especially if a child is really struggling. It's not something that, you know, you should just. I don't want to give medicine, so I, I'm just gonna. We're just gonna ignore it. No, there are so many things that can be done, but at the same time, um, it, there are things that we can do to help prevent it too. Um, there's certain toxin exposures, definitely, and other things that we will go through. So, how many people are diagnosed with ADHD or ADD in the U.S. per year, Doctor Charlie? I don't have that statistic. I have the statistic on how much of Adderall is prescribed. Oh, okay, okay. Let's do that. So it's between 41.4 and 45 million prescriptions filled a year for Adderall. That's insane. That is a moneymaker. And what Lauren was saying, how it's so multifactorial, that's the reason, you know, why it's such an issue is because you have to look at such a big picture that it can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming because... Either you just got into the holistic health field, or even if you're a veteran in the, in the holistic health realm, you know, a lot of stuff you have to do simultaneously. And when your child is having a, um, an episode, so to speak, for lack of better words, it can be pretty stressful. And, you know, there, there's a lot of things that can be done. Uh, but just like we said in all our other episodes, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Uh, take it day by day and incorporate some of the stuff that we're about to talk about. Did you find the statistic? Yeah, yeah, I pulled it up. Okay, so this is from the CDC. And so let's remind people that CDC is not necessarily going to be the most accurate um, because they honestly, their mechanism for polling and for getting the data, the, I do think that there are people that are not either getting diagnosed or getting treatment um, or that are seeking treatment elsewhere. There, this this is probably a bigger problem than even they have found. Um, but it just goes to show you how big this problem is because we see that six million children are diagnosed in this age three to seventeen per uh, in the in the years two thousand sixteen to two thousand nineteen. Six million children, 
in the age range of three to five years, 265,000 children. And of that, 19% are medicated of those three to five-year-olds. That's a total conservative number. I can yeah. guarantee you that's a conservative number. Yeah, that's well, insane as is, but just know that that is sugar-coated a little bit compared to what's really been diagnosed and prescribed from those ages. Oh, yeah. In 6 to 11, it's 2.4 million. And in 12 to 17-year-olds, it is 3.3 million. Boys are more likely to be diagnosed than girls. Um, I do. Hey, think- that's that's sexist. That, yeah. that stuff gets canceled these days. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, but no, some of that is because boys do not mature at the same rate as girls. Yeah. It's not, it's a beautiful difference. It's not a bad thing. I don't think it was, I don't think that it should be a bad thing. But they have been studies that show if you put a boy into kindergarten with a, with a late birthday, with like a June birthday, they are yeah. more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD than a, a child with an early, or a boy with an early birthday. And so that is something to consider, I think is, um, and I don't necessarily encourage it, but I do, I do tell parents, if you're, if you are going to send a child to school, especially a boy, consider the birthday and the age range and the maturity level of the other, of the other children. Um, I do think it can be very, very helpful for children to be an older birthday um, in the classroom if if that's what you're going to do. That's so interesting. I've never heard that before. That's the first time I've been hearing that. Yep. Um, Okay. So Let's talk about the biggest like root mechanisms of what's going on. I, I think people understand what the symptoms are. And uh, in my experience, there's been three common denominators. Now, this is what's being affected. If you ever listen to me talk, you listen to my membership, you all understand that I am a big um, messenger compared to messages. What do I mean by that? If you, if you haven't listened to me before, we are obsessed with changing the messages in the body, the hormones, the neurotransmitters, but they all come from messengers. That's like if the, if UPS, sorry, if you work for UPS, I'm throwing you guys under the bus a little bit. Um, If you work for UPS and your package gets lost, that's like blaming the package instead of blaming the the company. And so we need to blame the company, which is more our organs, which create the messages. Okay. So follow me. The top three that I see, I'll give you four digestive tract. Yeah. Adrenal glands, but those two affect the brain. So the brain is involved, but those two I'm telling you are where you have to start And the fourth one is methylation, which we have done a podcast on. You can go back and listen to that. I think we did an adrenal gland one too, didn't we? Uh, We did fatigue. We did fatigue. Okay. Okay. That is a good idea to do an adrenal one. Adrenal? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think it's just a really good thing to point out right there what Dr. Charlie just said, that the biggest issues with ADHD, it's not necessarily in the brain. It doesn't start in the brain. It starts in gut. And it starts in the adrenals. And so why, why does this happen? Um, Why does that happen? So essentially, most people who are listening to this podcast understand that the gut is your second brain, right? Here's a statistic that might blow your mind. And that is between the gut and the brain, 10% of the nerves, excuse me, 10% of the nerves go from the brain to the gut. 
whereas 90% of the nerves go from the gut to the brain. And so that is why gut health is so important. But as we say that the gut is the second brain, the adrenal glands are kind of like, if you imagine a peach, you have a pit and flesh. The flesh of the adrenals is called the cortex. That's where your cortisol comes from. But the pit of the adrenals is called the medulla. And the medulla is actually nervous system tissue. It is literally a second brain. And what produces there is dopamine and adrenaline, which is epinephrine and norepinephrine. Here's the thing. What does Adderall and Vyvanse and what's the other one? Concerta. Or, yeah. and, and that, what, what do they work on? They are similar to how we just talked about SSRIs, where the SSRI creates more serotonin or the body to perceive more serotonin in the brain. What Adderall and those drugs alike do is do the same thing, but for dopamine and norepinephrine. Where are those produced? The gut and the adrenal glands. And the norepinephrine is 100% from the adrenal glands. 50% of your dopamine comes from your digestive tract. And so that's why it's so important to understand the health of these messengers because they're the ones who create the messages. And medicine is obsessed with changing symptoms and drugs that can do that change the message, but they don't influence the messenger. And that's a big issue because it's the toxins that are affecting the messenger that's creating the issue. And that's where Lauren and I are going to talk about some of the most common toxins. You want to jump right into that? Yeah. So, I mean, let's start right off the bat with one that we have talked about at length on this podcast, and that is vaccines. And it's not necessarily like the antibody or what we're putting in for the virus or the bacteria. It's not necessarily that. It's the adjuvants and the preservatives and all that other stuff, the glyphosate that's in there. Um, Mm -hmm. But definitely the aluminum is a big factor. Aluminum accumulates in the body. It accumulates in the brain. Um, And it is going to directly impact a person's um, just ability to detox well. Um, Heavy metals have been shown many studies to be implicated in in multiple diseases, including um, Alzheimer's um, and other brain issues. Um, But it is definitely a factor with ADHD and ADD. And I think one of the, the broad pictures of all of this is all the stuff we're about to talk about. What it really does is drive your histamine. Yeah. Yeah. And histamine is very excitatory, right? And so when you have these children, because it's most, I would say, obviously adults get affected too, but most times we're talking about our kids. I would say the majority is the time we're talking about our children. And so um, think about this. Think about if you are having a histamine reaction because of vaccines or think about foods and colorings of foods and preservatives in foods that are very histamine driving. Think about if you have parasites and remember in our parasite episode and allergy episode, we talk about histamine release in the presence of TH2 dominance, which comes from parasites and molds. Um, If you haven't listened to those podcasts, please go back and do so. But say the child has parasites And that's creating chronic histamine. Now that pushes the adrenals until the adrenals and the stress response of your system, which is called the HPA axis, then that starts short circuiting. And now the child can't handle stress. Now the child's lymphatic system can shut down and now they need to move. But our school systems keep kids sitting all day long. 
and have 30 minutes of recess or gym class, if they even call it PE or gym anymore. I don't even know. It's been so long. Um, I'm not trying to scare you folks, but I'm trying to tell you this is how we think. This is what we need to address more so than thinking that it is a brain issue. And these are the most common drivers of histamine. I, I feel like our society does a really good job of going against human nature and keeping kids sitting around all day long, listening in classrooms when we need to be jumping on trampolines, we need to be outside and moving, we need fresh air. EMF is very histamine um, driving. And so that depletes our B6 and our glutathione, which now we don't have our master antioxidant. I'm like scaring people to death tonight. I'm just going on a rant right now. Histamine will basically make, it can make your brain on fire. And so if you have a child with lots of tantrums, then that you really need to consider histamine as a big driving force. If they are having a terrible, they're waking up with nightmares and they're just really struggling at night with behaviors, histamine's higher at night. So think mm-hmm. about what could drive that. We've talked about parasites, but definitely vaccines can are, are a big driver in histamine. Um, heavy metals in the vaccines will also deplace your minerals. Um, and, and so zinc and iron and... Um, things like that are, are been all implicated in ADHD. So, so the mm-hmm. studies will link zinc deficiency and they'll link iron deficiency with ADHD. And they say this is why this 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 person the ADHD is happening. But they're not looking deeper. They're not looking at the heavy metal that has first displaced it, or the chronic stress that is depleting that is causing the adrenals to burn all their minerals, and that is causing a lot of this as well. So it's not, or that the gut is not absorbing the nutrients from the food. And so it's not just that you're zinc deficient or iron deficient or magnesium deficient. It is also that you may not be absorbing it. And then you also have other things that are just just toxins that are displacing them. And one thing I want to point out too, is what we just said that Adderall works on dopamine and norepinephrine, which comes from the adrenal glands, right? Those are the stimulation. Those are the fight or flight, essentially, that gets someone going in fight or flight. You need to be focused. So it increases your alertness, which is why the medication does that. But not many people talk about GABA and GABA is the neurotransmitter that is like the calming neurotransmitter. Here's the issue. When you have low GABA, you are restless, irritable, and can't concentrate. You have a thousand thoughts going on. So it's very ADD, ADHD like, but what depletes GABA? Ammonia. Where does excess ammonia come from? Parasites, fungus, bacteria. And again, we're setting that up with vaccines because what does hep B introduce? Fungus. Yes. We're setting, like we're, we're setting this up and it's not okay guys. Like there's no, there's no judgment here. Both of my kids had it. Like I did not have any questioning of that at all. Like I did, I was a very conventional NP when I had my babies. And so like, I'm not, we're not pointing fingers. This is like, but my kids have had some chronic gut stuff that we, I I attribute some of it to those vaccines. Yeah. And um, we can take this so many ways as we already have. One thing that Lauren was telling me about earlier that I haven't done much work with uh, is primitive reflexes. Yeah. Tell us about what primitive reflexes are and what you've seen thus far working with them. I mean, I know what they are, but I haven't technically used them enough in practice to comment on my experience. 
So primitive reflexes, mostly they are all, you know, they happen in the womb and utero, and then they should go away and be integrated um, into a, a, a higher level of either movement or of nervous system um, behavior. So they are thought to be the precursors to like voluntary movement. And that is why when, when somebody has, um, you know, a certain delayed primitive or I'm sorry, a certain retained primitive reflex, you might see poor hand-eye coordination, but it's also why they need. So with certain ones, cause they all act on different ones. And so with certain ones, you'll see that the, the brain will be more imbalanced. And then you'll have some kids that are and some adults, cause this is definitely not caught at all um, or high right brain or high left brain. And, and so you'll have different issues that come up with, with that. It, it can cause anywhere from bedwetting to not a, being able to sit still uh, at the dinner table or poor handwriting or uh, dyslexia, um, being b- bad spatial awareness. So there are so many factors here, but with a lot of the retained primitive reflexes, you I mean, hyperactivity and inability, inability to sit still and focus are like on a lot of them. And mm-hmm. the Moro reflux, which is like, if you, if you drop the baby, they should reach up that a lot of times should be integrated at, I think around four months. And it, and if it's not, that could put a baby in a chronic state of fight or flight. And mm-hmm. when you are in a chronic state of fight or flight, you're not digesting your nutrients. You're not absorbing nutrients well. And that, and again, burning those adrenals up. And so it's not just that you have this retained primitive reflex. It's that what else is happening in the body because of it. And so why do these retain, why, why, why does this happen? Like why, why we know that there's retain, that there's primitive reflexes. We know that they should integrate, but why are they being retained? Well, they've, they've attributed this happening to a few different things. One of them is anxiety in the mom. Um, and so that's something that I hate like saying, cause it's like something you, you can't always control that. I remember when I, when I was pregnant with my oldest, I was having nightmares about because of where I worked at an urgent care that was so stressful. And I mean, 14 hour shifts working in a bad part of town and it was so stressful. And so and I think, and I left thankfully when I was seven months pregnant, um, cause I was like, this is not a way to do this. But I will say that that definitely impacted. There's no way that didn't impact my baby that I was carrying. And so anxiety in the mom, they have shown that that can cause retained primitive reflexes. But the good thing is that no matter whether it's the baby's already bored or the, or that child is now 50 years old, you can integrate these things. So it's not ever like without hope. Um, You can integrate at any time. And so uh, anxiety in the mom Trauma is another cause of retained primitive reflexes, toxin exposure. Um, so there are, I definitely think, um, especially with toxin exposure, that can be looked at as a trauma to the body. Um, and so these, fa- and then not enough floor time. That was the other one, not enough floor time, um, which I do think is a factor for some. What what type of practitioner would you go to to help these reflexes? So... Some occupational therapists are going to be trained, but it's not every occupational therapist. And so you're going to have to just go on Facebook, get on like a crunchy mom group and ask, 
or go to like, if you have a holistic pediatrician or provider, um, sometimes your chiropractor might have good resources on where to go or just Google retained primitive reflexes in your city. Um, mm. And you might be able to find somebody. I know that the brain balance centers at Dr. Malilo. So a lot of what I, what I did, and I'll, I'll, I'll link the post that I did on it today. Cause I, I do, I did a lot of it based off of his work and one other um, expert in this and, and, Dr. Malilo has opened these brain balance centers that um, do have, and, and some of them will do virtual stuff too. So like, you don't necessarily have to live there, but he also has a book called Disconnected Kids and Reconnected Kids. And that also has some home exercises and things you can do. Um, so I'll link some stuff um, in the show notes about this, but basically if you have a child that has a lot of different little things um, and it could be little things that like, oh, that's just their quirks. It's not necessarily, I'm not saying, oh, that's something wrong and that's something bad. I mean, this is something I'm working through with my children too. Um, but it is something that can be really helped. And it's like ex- simple exercises that you can do at home in 10 minutes before school. And they've done studies that if you do these exercises before school, it helps so much with focus and attention and school activities. And so it's a really great tool to use at home. And then it's a great tool for schools to incorporate in the beginning of the day um, to really get those, you know, those, those reflexes integrated. Yeah. I um, first learned about them. I mean, I've heard of them, but then in my field, uh, quantum neurology, some of the practitioners would do advanced seminars uh, where they would show how to use quantum neurology to reset these primitive reflexes. And I remember thinking like, that's very important, but for whatever reason, I just never dove into it further, but I know that there's so much power behind it. And so it's definitely, it's just being able to recognize it and then, and then referring to the, the right train, uh, the right, specialist that can help a functional neurologist i did think about that when you said that a functional neurologist might be able to um uh, help as well some of that work yeah um okay so primitive reflexes uh let's just go through and talk about uh what we can do for histamine for gut adrenals and methylation oh we didn't mention diet it's huge. I mean, yeah. we mentioned food colorings and preservatives. Okay. Okay. So diet and then also blue light and the cortisol, the constant cortisol spike that you get from all the TV and iPad. Mm. Guys, I am not going to tell you, I'm not going to sit here and say my kids don't watch TV. Um, but I will say that they don't want, they, they're not on their iPad. They don't, I, I have an iPad. It, it goes dead half the time because they are not on it. And I, I, I firmly believe that children should not be on an iPad all the time. Yeah. The only time that we use the iPad is when we're on airplanes. Yes. Oh, and for travel, like we did a road trip. I'm sure you can watch movies. That's, I mean, I I am, but they watch movies though, or sometimes they'll get to play like very rarely, like once a month, maybe once, maybe once every other month. It's not often. And my kids are five and seven. So like my kids are older, they are aware. Um, and we still don't, we don't use it. Um, but I'm not judging, you know, I'm not judging that. I just think that if you are using that, you probably should be mindful of the radiation that the, that the iPad is putting off. So a an EMF blanket would be good. Some blue light blocker glasses and to just be aware that that can still impact behavior. Um, and then the TV shows that we get, that we put in front of babies like Coco Melon. Cause I have oh, yeah. 
I'm sounding like a judgmental person right now, but I'm telling you, Cocomelon is very overstimulating for the brain. Oh, yeah. I've never allowed, I, mean, I think I've let my children watch it one time, and I don't even think I'll let them watch it. They just were, and I said, y'all, hey, turn that off. Yeah, um, we, it is, my oldest was watching it, and then my wife was like, yeah, we're done with Cocomelon. Yeah, no, no, it's way too overstimulating. And a lot of those on Netflix, um, we don't get, we don't have Netflix. I don't, not that I support Netflix, but uh, at all. But the the Netflix, some of those, kids shows like baby shows they're all overstimulating oh yeah um and so there are a lot of less stimulating tv shows i can put some in the show notes that i am okay with personally i know this is going to be a personal choice i'm not saying don't ever let your kids watch tv my kids watch tv um i don't I, we definitely try not to overdo it um we definitely have a lot of breaks um i will 100 my kids immediately when they get home from school they go outside uh, but I do think that we could be more mindful in our choices. And that is a factor. And then the next thing is what food dye, right? Yep. Um, food, I mean, preservatives, food dyes, colorings, all that stuff is, I mean, you can go through all the research. You don't need us to tell you that it, it is extremely, extremely detrimental to our health from a histamine standpoint, yes. from how our meth, it like our, we can't, it, it clogs our methylation. It changes brain structures. It's just such a bad, um, toxic uh, topic, so to speak. It's in everything too. It is in everything. It they is have absolutely them in marshmallows. They have yeah. food dye in marshmallows. I remember yeah. when I first started figuring this out. This was several years ago, and um, I just was I was shocked by what all that it was in. And so, and this is something that is an issue more for older kids too. I mean, yes, for younger kids, but a lot for older kids too, if they're going to school, because they will be bombarded and you will have to be proactive about it. Thankfully, where we go, like we tend to do okay. They are, the other parents are mindful and they send in organic stuff if they're going to send in anything, but it is hard to go to a birthday party and you you have to bring, I bring like my own cupcake. Um, And if I forget, then I'm like, well, here we go. I do have a protocol that I do in case um, of exposure that I can link, but it is some, it is like, I mean, food dye consumption per person has increased fivefold in the United States since 1955, fivefold. It it's found that American children consume a hundred milligrams per day of artificial food dyes. Some of these have carcinogens um, that are already, that are proven to be uh cancer causing and then a lot of times they're also consuming synthetic dyes with a preservative called sodium benzoate this those that mix the food dye and sodium benzoate which is in a lot of it's a preservative that's in a lot of things this has 100 percent been implicated in adhd so i if you can watch for food dye especially red 40 but not just red 40 um Mm. red 40 and then uh sodium benzoate those are the two things that i would really watch for food diet. I mean, there's just, there's two, there's a lot of research. I, I we can link it. I, I don't think we need to ha- hammer the point home more than that. Other yeah. than to say, I'm not saying don't ever let your kids have candy. Um, I don't, it is still a treat in our house. We don't have it very much. I have a massive candy basket that I got that I've had. And I, I keep like, it's, I have, it's organic candy, all of it. And I would, I mean, each holiday I'll just grab from it. Cause like, we just don't go through it. Like we mm. just don't 
eat a lot of it. Uh, I'll get it for like Halloween or, or uh, Easter and Valentine's day. And we just don't go through a lot of it. We, we might have a couple pieces from our baskets or whatever, and then it goes up in the basket and they don't, they don't really see it. But I will say that if you do organic options are really great and they, and they taste great. My kids love them. And they so do. you really, they do have a lot of organic options. They do have a lot of organic options that do like fruit colorings and stuff yes. like that. Oh, and then also they they like go to Whole Foods. Um, they have natural food dyes. Um, and they're like it, it's not the best natural food dyes, but they are much better than the artificial ones. And if you need cupcakes in a pinch, Whole Foods does not make. I'm sure the other ingredients aren't great, but Whole Foods does not make cupcakes or icing with food dye. They will use plant based food dyes. So in a pinch, if you need something. Grow, go to, go to whole. I, mean, I would much rather have the other stuff one time than than artificial food dye. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of brands like Smart Sweets and stuff that yes. do things, you know, better. Uh, yeah. Uh, and like I was a candy holic growing up. I loved anything sour and gummy. Yeah. Um, and I learned my lesson last week. I, I went to see uh, John Wick Four, and um, sitting there, and this movie theater had all the standard, you know, Sour Patch Kids. Uh, Junior Mints, Butterfinger BBs, um, Welch's fruit snacks. And then they had the little section of Smart Sweets watermelon bites. And I'm like, that's calling my name. So I did it. I bought two packages of them because it's a three-hour movie. And I cracked my crown off of my tooth. That was my lesson. No way. Yeah. So I went yesterday to a biological dentist in Nashville who I really liked. And it, it came clean off. He literally was able to put it back on. Uh put some new glue on there and I was good to go. So that was the universe telling me, Hey, uh, your candy days are over, Charlie. Oh, ouch. I'm sure that hurt. Um, yeah. And so yeah. if you, you know, I'm you can make a better choice for having that option though. I, I know. I know. I, I mean, that, that's really, we're, we're, go, we're, we're, guys, this is getting better. Like we are getting more availability, but there's always going to be the other stuff available too. For and sure. You have to be like, man, like, I'm sorry, like put it on their form and just say they're allergic or they're, they're whatever. I, I don't know what you ever have to say. They're intolerant of it. They're food, food dye sensitive, whatever you need to say. Um, It's not like it's an allergy, but it is like at the same time, it's a very sensitive. It's a, to- it's a toxicity. It will. And it is, it is. You yeah. And, and say it, but unfortunately, many if do. you, you know, if you're having a hard time with your kids with that, like give them some Takasumi with it, let give them a binder with it to at least give the body a fighting chance. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will do some, a little bit of histamine block too. Um, but Takasumi binds up the histamine too. Um, and there's lots of things that I can link in the show notes that you can do with it, but Takasumi definitely is number one. And, um, and so, uh, basically, you know, we talked gut, we've talked gut health so much. So get the infections out, eat a clean diet, um, heal the gut lining. I like butyric acid. It's found in grass fed butter. If you're dairy sensitive, uh, apex energetics makes a great one called enterovite. Uh, it's short chain fatty acid that helps rebuild the colon lining. Um, I also like one from pure encapsulation called GI integrity that does a little more of the small intestine lining and the stomach lining. Those are great for gut inflammation. Remember, your 50% of your dopamine is made there and 90% of the nerves go from the brain or from the gut to the brain. So making sure that you're doing that. And so that would be for adults and children, right? Yes, absolutely for both. Um, I try to uh, start with less is more. So I'll go the enterovite um, for children, yeah. uh, more so generally. 
Uh, and then after you've identified if there's fungus, yeast, parasites, viruses, bacteria, which we've covered in so many episodes prior, uh, then you can repopulate the gut uh, if you want with some spore biotics like Megaspore. I prefer spores over probiotics. Uh, I find that it populates the gut better, gets past the stomach acid properly. Um, and then moving along to adrenals. Uh, there are so many things for adrenals, right? There's so many dang products for the adrenal glands. You know, for me, the adrenals are essentially a backup system. So if you take care of the toxicity and the mental stress in people, usually you can heal the adrenal glands on that alone. There are some other ones that we are going to mention, um, a good source of vitamin C. It, you know, the adrenals are the highest source of vitamin C per gram in the body. Uh, and so Camu Supreme, we talked about. Uh, adaptogenic mushrooms are great, like Reishi Supreme we were talking about. Yep. Um, and then another one, you know, if you want the glandular portion of adrenals, uh, there's one in standard process called Drenamin. That's a pretty decent one. It does have Reishi mushroom in there. But essentially, if you get good vitamin C, you get really good minerals, which we'll talk about. I'll let Lauren talk about her favorite minerals because she's a mineral queen, um, is supporting your methylation. And this is kind of twofold. So you have your adrenal glands, you have the mitochondria of the adrenal gland tissue, the medulla and the cortex tissue. And so if you support methylation, you support really the um, cells of the, the messenger tissue, essentially. And so the two genes, this is why I say it's twofold, because one, it supports the adrenals, but on the methylation standpoint, there's two genes that really uh, build and break down your dopamine, your histamine. That's your COMT gene and your MAO genes. Both of those are supported by B vitamins, essentially. Um, and the two that I will use, number one, Inspiracel, uh, and number two, Regenerzyme Heart. Those are the two that I will go in there. Regenerzyme Heart does have a little bit of adrenal tissue in there. Um, and I use Regenerzyme Heart more for prenatal, uh, a multivitamin, or if you're trying for uh, testicular or ovarian health, Whereas Inspiracel has an affinity more for brain neurotransmitters. And so for ADD, ADHD, that is definitely my choice is Inspiracel. Um, that was, so that will do the adrenals and the methylation simultaneously. And what about a little bit of calms for that lithium? Because totally. lithium is one of those minerals that like just, I mean, it's so misunderstood because people hear lithium of the prescription lithium and they think it's the same thing, but it's not. This is nutritional lithium. Um, and it is so many are deficient. Like if I could just, yeah, it's a trace mineral and and it's depleted in our soils. What it produces GABA, right? So there goes that GABA that we were talking about. Um, but it also is depleted in times of high cortisol, high stress hormone, which is America essentially. And you're going to have high stress hormone if you have high histamine, because stress hormone is good in the short term, but because we live toxic lifestyles, it turns into a long term and that breaks us down, especially our, um, our lithium stores. And there's been studies showing that people who have adequate lithium, uh, in their bodies are less likely to commit suicide, less likely to commit murder and less likely to do anything violent. So that's a pretty big deal. And, yeah. um, and calms is uh, our favorite one for that. So that's why you see so many people on Instagram saying inspire cell and calms change my child for the yeah. better all that stuff yeah i think methylation if we could just get m- most of america methylating better 
Yes. And we would see some major changes. And so we do have a methylation podcast. We'll link in the show notes. We yep. also have a parasite podcast and what else? Oh, Kim. Oh, we didn't mention that um, Kim trail podcast because one of the number one exposures for uh, aluminum, which we did mention in vaccines is also in Kim trails. And so we'll, we'll link all that in the show notes. And um, there was one more thing that, well, we were talking about Bacopa, you know, yeah. for a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit older for, I would, you know, I, I personally haven't given it to kids under like 12 years old clinically, not yeah. to say that it can't be used that way. It's really good for acetylcholine, which is the neurotransmitter that works on um, memory and focus as well. It's another great, like GABA and acetylcholine are the to- two least talked about neurotransmitters and they do the, like some of the best work for our body, especially when it comes to attention and focus. Um, but I one think thing Bacopa that would be more for an adult, but Bacopa Supreme is, yeah. came out and it's, it's fabulous. And so it's that so would good. be helpful for an adult, um, with yeah. ADHD or ADD. Uh, I think, you know, for children, if you look at, did you have any other brain supporting things you want to mention or uh, DHA fish oil, cod liver oil. Oh, 100%. Yep. Love cod liver oil and, and love all the minerals. Magnesium, you and I talked about. So yeah, um, minerals are, I, I think of most people in America as mineral deficient, definitely magnesium deficient. It used to be in our soil. It's not as much anymore. And we burn through it with all of the stress that we're under day to day, the constant go, 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 the constant blue light. They've actually done studies on light and how it affects ADHD. And I was, I'm just, it's, it blows my mind that this isn't more incorporated into schools and other things, but of course it's just never going to be, (laughs) but light matters and being outside matters and red light. So that was one thing with the, with mitochondria. If we want to really go after this, to go after the mitochondria, um, you really can do that with a lot of, with good red light. And so that's something we do in the mornings. Um, we'll do the red light and then while, while they're eating breakfast, and then I'll turn on the metronome, which is some vestibular input and do our primitive reflex exercises. So red light is one good thing. And then, um, and then we go to minerals. And so, like I said, I think most people need to be on some type of mineral support, right? I mean, we're just, we're eating more mineral depleted food. We're just living stress lives. My go-to is, uh, for, well, first is definitely magnesium, um, especially for a hyperactive or inability to focus, um, anxiety, anything like that. Uh, magnesium is, is super crucial. I like the glycinate or malate is more for energizing it in the morning. I like glycinate much better for um, this type of anxiety, ADHD type of stuff. What are your thoughts on that? Did you? Have I take one? magnesium glycinate every night. Yeah. Um, so it's super, um, super needed by, by children and adults. Um, but then also using a mineral supplement. Um, so like trace mineral supplements, um, I use Quentin minerals, um, as I use also body bio liquid minerals, I will rotate. So it's not like I'm using all of these supplements in one day. Like I just rotate through things that use a little bit of of one bottle and go to the next just to get a good, well-rounded um, amount of minerals in my kids and myself as they do burn through their minerals more quickly. And I think some of that is due to the toxin exposure earlier in life. Um, any other mineral supplements? Um, you know, I just ordered Jigsaw to try Jigsaw. I right now currently am using pure encapsulation electrolyte powder in my water. Water is oh, a big yeah. deal. You got to filter your water. 
Obviously, we've covered that on previous podcasts. Um, but another thing that I don't want to forget is we talked about calms and inspire cell. Well, the essential oil that goes with that for the emotional um, need is present moment. Yeah. And that is why it's, it is called present moment. Cause it's supposed to get you into the present and focused. Oil uh, make a huge difference. And the reason is oh, yeah. they go straight to the brain um, and they can have immediate effect. And so I use an oil called present time. I use uh, an oil blend called brain power. Mm. vetiver is very calming to the brain and so even vetiver is pretty cheap um and so even using some diluted vetiver on the brainstem um lavender frankincense even putting lavender underneath the nose you can get a calming effect from that and that can be really helpful for children and adults and the last uh three things that i wanted to mention is we talked about lymph work. You know, we talked about jumping on trampolines. Mangissa Supreme is a great lymph tonic that can yeah. really help with children. Uh, and then the last two is people have heard me talk about the SRT technology, the optimizers. That is phenomenal. And uh, I get so many people saying how when they put it over their child's heart and their brainstem, it calms them down, especially if they're taken with calms. Um, and then lastly, grounding bags for EMF stuff. You know, that's a nice thing to have. You put under their bed, you can put it around them that can help with EMF as well. Yeah. Okay. So overall, reduce toxin exposure. So yes. a clean food. And I, I mean, balance, okay, balance bro, uh, your protein and fat with your whole food carbs. This will balance their blood sugar. This will, this will help with the roller coaster that you might see. So whole foods, just think whole foods. Um, of course we both support animal protein. Um, oh yeah. Those Love nutrients that. are just super needed. Um, but whole foods, whole, whole food based diet. And then, you know, trying to avoid a lot of the high fat, high sugary foods, love fat, but whole food fat, like the fat, the way it was made, not the fat that's in margarine and all the other junk and the processed foods and all the other vegetable oils and canola oils that are inflammatory. So, yeah. oh, we could do a podcast episode on poopas. That's a that's really a good one too. Nuanced topic that deserves an in depth look. Okay, so diet and reducing toxin exposure. Of course, toxin exposure with other means like with vaccines and BPA. BPA has also been linked to ADHD, and so is Tylenol. And so, and that's because it depletes glutathione, especially when we give Tylenol right after vaccines. We're, <laughs> we're and, like, and now our now our barrier mechanisms, uh, our blood-brain barrier. barrier, our gut barrier, our lung barrier are compromised, and now we have toxins which create more of histamine, and then down the rabbit hole we go. Yep. All right. So we have reduced toxin exposure. We have clean out the gut. And yep. that is, you know, typically going to be looking, dressing, looking at yeast, looking at sometimes looking at parasites, um, heavy metal exposure, um, addressing histamine. And then we have supporting methylation. Yep. And supporting adrenal glands simultaneously with methylation. Correct. Uh, yeah. I mean, that right there is a winning recipe. Yeah. When you, when you get, like Lauren said, the toxin exposure down, the diet is on point, uh, your adrenals and your stress response is working properly, and you're methylating, which turns on and off brain neurotransmitters. Uh, that is a winning recipe, folks. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. there's a lot to it, but start it a little bit at a time if it's too yeah. overwhelming. It's not a sprint. It's a long-distance race. 
like literally just starting with magnesium. Yeah. That can be, I mean, uh, starting with some starfish, uh, uh, primitive reflex exercise that, I mean, doing that, they have done studies, like I said, doing that every day for a month can really integrate these and make it much better. You'll have to keep doing it for a little while. I'm not saying it's that fast, but I am saying these things can be a big game changer and they're, that is free. Now you definitely go in to see an occupational therapist or a specialist, but at the same time, you can definitely start at home. And if, if I had to choose anything. Like if you're like, Hey, I need like two things, three things to try. I would go right into inspire cell calms magnesium. Yeah. Do, do those three, see what changes from there, then start investigating more parasites, things internally. Yep. But if you do those three things and you change diet and water supply and exercise and letting your kids, you know, jump on trampolines, I bet you, you, you see a different kid. Yeah. If you're, if you're methylating well, you're going to be detoxing better. And so kids will clear this stuff. They is, it is shocking how much better they can, like how much they can heal, how much faster they can than adults even. And so they will clear it, but methylating is like that first step. Absolutely. All right. I think we uh, covered everything we wanted to. Um, Time for Lauren's favorite saying at the end of all our episodes. Yes. It is this is not medical advice. This is meant to be educational. Please speak with your healthcare provider before changing anything. Oh, you say it so perfectly. It's just, it's awesome. All right, folks. Uh, hope you enjoyed this one. Share it with whoever needs to hear it. And we will see you all on the next one. All right.